You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on charity season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 346. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good show for you today. We're going to kick it old school and go back to season seven of The Bachelorette and season two of Bachelor Pad with William Holman. It's a very interesting interview, and we'll get to it momentarily. So William is a guy that I remember speaking to back in the day long, long ago. And reached out to him again because I was talking about Ashley's season recently. His name popped in my head, and it's because of the first date. He had the first one-on-one date of the season, if you don't remember. And it was in Las Vegas. And he got to do something really cool, which was they set up a dinner table in the Bellagio Fountains that him and Ashley got to sit and eat dinner at. So I thought that was really cool. However, when we recapped it, you'll hear... William tell a story about it that I did not know, and it's actually pretty funny. There was also a group date he was on the very next episode that he is probably most known for, and we go over that, his thoughts on it, the way production does what production does, and pretty much screws him over on how that happened. We talk about him going on Bachelor Pad, why he decided to go on Bachelor Pad, and we had a really good talk. Uh, for the first 45 minutes about The Bachelorette and season two of Bachelor Pad. And then William just kind of offers up something very important and very crucial that's gone on in his life since the show. And I want you all to pay attention to that because I had no idea about it. I reached out to William two days ago on Instagram. And said, hey, man, you want to come on the podcast? Love to have you on. Sure. We spent like maybe three messages back and forth on Instagram. We exchanged numbers. I said, I'll call you Wednesday night. We recorded it. I had no idea. I had not spoken to him in years. And just figured we'd go over the seasons. He'd have some stories from the show, things that happened to him, all this stuff. We talked about the things that he was known for. And that would be it. The last 15 minutes are really, really interesting, and I hope you stick around and listen to those. I want to talk a little bit, before we get to that, about the Daily Roundup today that you can listen to. It's already in your feed. Talked a little bit about Temptation Island. Talked about the Big D, Taylor Swift adding 14 more shows. I got to add up. I thought I was looking at the whole schedule. When I went over that, she added 14 shows. She has 48 shows just from May to August of 2024. She starts her international tour in August of this year, and I think she's only taking December and January off. So August, September, October, November, February, March, April. Those all have international shows in them as well. I only read the 48 shows that are going from May to August of 2024. I don't know how many she has from August to 23 to April 2024. 
I should probably add those up and give you the final tally tomorrow because that's bringing this tour to close to 150 fucking shows. Are you kidding me? 150 shows in a basically a year and a half. She started the Eras tour in Arizona in March and she's ending it in LA in August. So she's doing about 55 dates in six months. Just in the last four months of the international tour, she's doing 48 dates. Don't ask me how she's doing this. I have no idea. But that's why she's the queen. Another great story about, you remember the song Friday from Rebecca Black back in 2011? Uh, You couldn't not know that song. It was everybody's bop. It was the most silliest song you've ever heard with lyrics that could have been written by a fourth grader. However, those lyrics have now been dissected in 2023 by somebody who thinks they're onto something and has come up with one of the more ridiculous conspiracy theories you'll ever hear. I hope you listened to that this morning because that was funny. I'm sorry if you had to listen to me sing. Friday by Rebecca Black. I'm going to say not too bad. No, I'm kidding. It was horrible. And then the launch of Meta's Threads last night. The new Threads app is out, which is basically Instagram's answer to Twitter. Still trying to figure it out. I don't know why I'm seeing things on my feed from people I don't follow. I don't want that. I only want to hear and I only want to look at the things that the people I follow post, not Someone I follows, the someone that they follow, they posted, so I'm seeing it. No, is I, I need to know if this is. It just launched last night, so they're probably working through the kinks. But I should only be seeing the people that I want to follow, right? Just like on Instagram, granted, you get a bunch of suggestions or whatever, and maybe that's what this is. It's kind of the same thing, I guess, where it's mixing in other people that they're suggesting that you follow. I, I want it to be more like Twitter in the aspect of I follow 116 people on Twitter. The only thing I see is anything they tweet or they repost outside of sponsored ads. Last night when Threads launched, I'm seeing all these people that I don't even follow. I don't even know who they are. So I'd like that to end. But other than that, I'm really curious. I mean, every morning when I my podcasts are up, Daily Roundup, Sports Daily, I tweet it out, put it on my Instagram story. It's now going to be added to my Threads. Hopefully... I, when I include the link, you'll be able to go directly. If you're following me on threads, just click that link and bring you directly to my podcast like Twitter does and Instagram stories does. I don't see why it wouldn't, but I guess we'll know later on today if that worked. If it doesn't, then I won't be putting it on threads. But just another way. It's really curious to see how many people migrate over from Twitter since Elon has basically run that company into the ground and everybody's fed up with it. So... We'll see if Threads takes off. I think it has a chance. So far, the interface looks pretty easy, and it's very similar to Twitter. It's just I think you're allowed 500 characters, you know? I think that's how many you're allowed to do. If you look at my only thread that I've posted, well, by the time you listen to this, I'll have posted my podcast threads, but my first thread that I posted last night was just me typing a bunch of letters because I wanted to see what the character limit was, and people were telling me it looks like it's about 500. It's a lot, but I'm fine with it. Anyway, let's get going. Podcast number 346. All right, here he is. Uh, You first saw him on season seven of The Bachelorette. (laughs) 
that was Ashley uh, Abair's season at the time. She was Ashley Abair. And then on season two of Bachelor Pad, it is William Holman. William, how you doing? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Long time no talk. I know it's been years since I spoke to you. Um, I, I there's there's so much I, I love bringing the old school contestants on because what you experienced while it is the same show, and I don't even know if you watch still. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Doesn't matter. Um, but while it's the same show in its core, which is hey, there's going to be one-on-ones, there's going to be group dates, and there's going to be rose ceremonies. It's just a different show from when you were actually on it with the social media aspect, um, just uh, opportunities that can come from just being a contestant on the show and, and lasting long enough. But, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's so different. So I'll just go back to your uh, season with Ashley, season seven. By the way, this is Bachelorette season twenty that's airing right now. Which is just, <laughs> just I know. I I feel like an old man in the franchise now. Um, okay, so how did you get cast? Now this back in the day, they were casting people like you could literally show up to one of those casting calls yeah. because they weren't reaching out through Instagram. There wasn't Instagram back when this was on in uh, you know in two thousand ten or eleven. So um, how did you get cast to be on Ashley's season? So the crazy thing was I had a friend nominate me for the show. So originally I got a phone call. Um, I was at work at the time working for Sprint, but I got a phone call from a 310 area code. And I was just like, I don't normally have a bill collector call me from 310. So this is odd. And then uh, they left a voicemail and it was, uh, I, now I can't even remember her name with the casting department. And maybe might have been sunny, but anyways, I got that phone call and I was like really taken back. And I just thought, you know, I really would not want to be doing the show. I, you know, 29, I don't feel like I have my life together at the time. And, uh, yeah, it just, it went back and forth for a little bit. But the funny thing was is the friend that had submitted me for the show, she was a girl that I met when I was 20 years old at a stoplight and she had me roll the window down we pulled over, we talked for a little bit, exchanged information, nothing really came of it, but we still stayed friends from that moment. And she ended up being the person that nominated me for the show uh, to get me on there. Gotcha. Super and weird. <laughs> so you get on this. Had you watched it? Were you a fan? I actually, I was living in Indiana for see when I watched season six, I started to I was briefly kind of seeing a girl that was big into the show. So every Monday night she would have a little get together and I would go. It was the first time I ever really watched the show, never watched it before. So I got to see some of the people that were on the show uh, just the season before. I only watched about six episodes, but then, uh, you know, when I got to do bachelor pad, I bumped into some of those folks that I had watched on season six, but yeah, that was the really the only time I'd watched before. So when you get there, what was your, it's been a while. I don't remember. Sorry. It was, no, you're fine. Do not 12, 12 years ago. What was your, what was your limo entrance? Did you have a gimmick? Uh, you know, there was a gimmick that I had and then liability issues popped into my head and I brought up the liability issues to the, and they thought, actually you bring up a good point. You shouldn't do that. So then it ended up just being me getting out of the limo and saying, hello, like, hi, I'm William. How are you? And just make an impression that way. But 
I at the time Tosh.0 was huge TV, and I wanted to come out and then just do say trust fall and turn around and I was going to fall back. And then we were like, that's, I go, what if I hit her? Like she falls over, stumbles and then hit. Like, oh, that, okay. Yeah. We can't do it. Yeah. Oh, I thought, you, <laughs> I, I thought you meant maybe you doing trust fall into her, but yeah, that makes sense. You heard her. No. Yeah. Trust I, fall into I was you. just going to tr- trust yeah. fall nail, like fall back accidentally, you know, who knows what would have happened. That, that could have been a, a bad thing but there was a couple things that we were all trying to you know think of some crazy kind of entrance but i'm just terrible with those ideas i hear you no i mean it's we all know that they're pretty much suggested by production of hey maybe you should do this and hey yeah. try this and whatnot but the interesting thing there were two major things that uh stuck out to me i guess technically three uh in regards to you and your season and your what happened with you on Ashley's season. So yeah, you guys in the second episode of the season. So the first episode we know is at the mansion. The second episode is kind of weird because all the dates were in Las Vegas, but you guys were still living at the mansion. You guys didn't yeah. move to Vegas for the episode, which is kind of weird because like, they've in since then, they've had a few episodes where the whole episode was shot in Vegas. JoJo's season, uh, they did in Vegas. I believe Nick Vile's season had an episode in Vegas. I don't understand uh, why, or maybe it was Ben Hagen's season. Um, I don't understand why they didn't just move you guys to Vegas for the actual episode. So you, maybe people don't know this, you had the first one-on-one of the season. And I think it's funny because... First one-on-one of the season for The Bachelorette, I don't know if you know this, the guy who receives the first one-on-one has never ended up winning the show. <laughs> In 20 seasons. <laughs> That's I mean, what I've heard. Not even up till then. I mean, obviously up till then. I think it might have been, although I could be wrong on this, if you go back to like season two, I think Meredith, the guy that she took on her first one-on-one, he ended up winning, but... That's season two. It's, I mean, it's it's one out of twenty. They just they don't end up winning for whatever reason. So any guy that goes on the show now should just know if they get the rose or if they get the first one on one date, they just turn around and walk. Yeah, away. just be like, you know what, Is I'm good. Can, can you give it to somebody else? <laughs> I will bequeath my one on one to somebody else since I know I'm not winning. Um, that'd be a great that'd be a great way to twist it. But so you get the first one on one, and. Because, like I said, it's so weird. Did How did the whole Vegas thing go? Did you guys take a private jet? Yeah, we ended up flying out of Van Nuys. Took okay. a private jet. That's right. Okay. And it, I ended up flying back late that night, like super late. She stayed there, and then the group date flew in for the, like, Jabberwockies thing that yes. they did the next day. So she stayed there for a day. Um, but, yeah, I was there and then came back that night. And I was dead tired and they made sure some of the guys were awake when I got back into the, into the house. And and that was, you know, me with no sleep. And then I was willing to say whatever and do whatever. And I, I came across looking like a complete ass when I got back into the house. Well, like, Oh, I got the first one on one date. Look at this. Oh, I got a rose. Yeah. Everything's going great. And people are like, okay, jerk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the other thing is, so the like you said, she stayed in Vegas. Okay, that makes sense now that she stayed. I don't know why they still didn't move all you guys, but whatever. The other guys, the group date was Jabberwocky Show, and then the th- the second one on one in Vegas for week two was Mickey, I believe. Right? 
Yeah. And yeah. I'm assuming, or I think, yeah, I so, think so he was, I'm assuming same thing. He was at the mansion. He got a flight out there to see her for that one-on-one date. Yeah. Okay. So your first one-on-one, if I'm not mistaken, now I, it's, it's hard to go back this many years, but I want to say this was one of the first, I, I mean, I had been spoiling before that, but I want to say this was one of the first dates that I was getting photos of in real time because let's face it, you guys had one of the more iconic one-on-one dates. You guys yeah. had a table in the middle of the Bellagio fountains, which is, so everybody's standing around, everybody's taking pictures. And at the time I'm getting emails of, I even had you guys, I think, I think the first picture I got that day to find out that, Hey, William Holman got the first one-on-one was you guys walking <laughs> around in like a candy store or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so someone sent me that. I'm like, all right, Hey, Will's the first person, you know, William's the first person on the date today. Uh, gets the first one-on-one of the season, but that had to have been so cool to have that Bellagio on the water everybody's looking at you. Now, granted, they're far enough away where they can't hear a word you're saying, but just to get boated out to a to a deck in the middle of the Bellagio Fountain, I mean, that had to have been really cool. It, so, I mean, and it's uh, it was awesome. I, no denying that. The It's a double-edged sword, though, because I ended up getting to do something as epic as that, and then it desensitizes you to, like, other dates or regular dates, you you know, you go out on a date after the show and it's like, yeah, okay, this isn't like the Bellagio. <laughs> but I also did get in uh, really big trouble from Bellagio for that date. Um, you know, Bachelor Production set it up and I didn't know about it until it was like two months later when we did the uh, Mentel All episode. Yeah. But they, you had to follow a strict path with the rowboat and I've never been in a rowboat before, never rode a boat. Not that it's that difficult to do, but I'm sitting there rowing and I'm kind of veering off course. And apparently the lights in the Bellagio, like if you hit one of those, they have to drain the pool. They have to drain the water there to reset the lights and stuff and then refill it. And it takes this, you know, a whole ordeal to have that completed. And I got to meet one of the employees of the Bellagio at the Mentel All Filming the rap party afterwards and she's like oh our management does not like you and now no one's ever allowed to take a robo out in the middle of the fountain again like this whole ordeal and i'm like oh really i was i didn't had no idea that i was that big of a problem so you didn't know until two months after the fact do you remember when you were rowing if you hit something no i know that i didn't hit anything but they were like so scared when uh, i I can't remember which producer told me like they were really, you know, worried about it, but it wasn't until later when I talked to somebody that they let me know that it was like a big fiasco. Like they were on pins and needles or whatnot when that whole ordeal happened. I no idea. I mean, to me, I got to have this epic night, but I, (laughs) they were like human mad behind the scenes. They weren't sure if I did mess up one of the lights or something along the way. It wasn't until the, they had the fountains go off and they saw that everything was working okay. But during that time, I guess they were not happy. So you said when you got back that night, you got back very late, took a flight back. They had guys waiting up for you. When you say you made an ass of yourself, was that in your ITMs? Or were you saying stuff to the guys that you realized, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that? No, it was stuff to the guys. It was in a, a moment of 
me coming to the house after having my ITMs and, and having a good chat with producers. And it, it's like me coming to the house and then I, I tend to joke way too much. And I've, I've definitely worked on that over the last decade, but I used to joke around so much and it was just always, Hey, it's just a joke, you know, uh, relax or whatnot but i got in and i'm just sitting there thinking i'm doing a voice and i'm being funny about it and then what makes the tv and how the guys interpret it or take it is not a pleasant experience where you know i got the rose and i decided to do an impression of george bush and i was like holding the rose and kind of walking around with it like hey i don't know if you know this but i got it uh mission accomplished and it's like just Uh. being uh, you know, ch- trying to be funny, but it comes across as like not. And, and it's one of those moments to, you know, know your audience or the social awareness. And I I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. There's a couple things that happened that was really embarrassing. Well, I mean, I think one of the big things uh, that you just said is, you know, this was this aired in 2011. In May of 2011 is when our first episode aired. And. This is before, I mean, Twitter had just started at about 2009, but we weren't in the social media world back then. It's probably a good thing because that would have labeled you. Oh, yeah. I guess technically, I mean, Bentley kind of stole the show as the villain of the season, but Mm -hmm. the way people watch the show and the way you act and the things that you say and ITMs and stuff like that, saying something like mission accomplished automatically pins you as he's not taking it seriously. This is just more of a competition to him. He just wants to win. You know, that's, and that it's, for, yeah. it, it's, it's so far from the truth, but you know, you, you understand now yeah. exactly what it was. Uh, yeah. It, one of the key or one of the things that always still is stuck in my brain from a moment in the mansion was, I was told repeatedly like, Hey, Ashley wants to talk to you. Ashley wants to talk to you throughout the day. And I'm like, no, she's going to talk with the other guys. I'll let her talk to the other guys. Like I'm not, I spent a whole day with her. There's no reason for me to, you know, try to go bombard her. And they're, and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you don't want to talk to her. She wants to talk to you. So then later after a little bit more time has passed, one of them comes up to me and they're like, Hey, she's asking for you. And I was like, Oh, She's asking for me. Okay. So I I was like, all right. So I go walking in there and she's talking to another guy and I was just like, Hey, how's it going? And she goes, um, hi. And then soon as she said, hi, the way she did, I was like, they got me good. I got God. And that, and that, and that's their specialty is go, yeah. go interrupt and then uh, <laughs> and, you know, cause some drama. And then, at, at, you know, obviously you realize, oh crap, she wasn't asking for me. They just wanted me to interrupt. And was, was that at a time where you, was that during episode two where you already had the rose, which made yeah. it even worse? It, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ar- already had the rose, made it worse. Yeah. And Nick Peterson, who I, it, you know, we got along great. But then he's like, oh, great. Thanks a lot, ding dong. And then that stuck for people on some social media for a little bit there where everyone's called me ding dong, which was like, it was comical. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I, that, that's not a bad nickname to have. I, I'm okay with it. Now, the next episode, I think, is the one that people <laughs> remember the most. Um, you're on the group date, and the group date is at a comedy club, and it's the roast of Ashley and 
They chose, I think, I mean, obviously, again, can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember they focused the most on your roast and the things that you said about Ashley. Um, clearly, you said them, but, mm-hmm. I, I mean, just explain again. Was this just you thinking you were being funnier than you actually were, or what happened on that date? Because it seemed like, now granted, here's the thing. Roasts are a thing, and roasts, when you roast somebody, they're not jokes. They are kind of digs at the person that's being roasted. And, yeah, you know, you see stuff, you see the Comedy Central roast. These roasts are brutal. I mean, they are harsh. And yeah, maybe for this show, it's supposed to be, I guess, a little more lighthearted and saying like, oh, Ashley, you know, you're so short or whatever, commenting on her height. Yeah. I think you made a comment. Uh, about her small breasts. That was one of your roasts, right? Yeah, that was. That was yeah, I don't like to relive that yeah, one. Yeah, that, <laughs> that didn't that didn't hit well. Probably shouldn't have said that. Um, but like you know, overall, when you were sitting down to do this roast, were you like, maybe I shouldn't say this, or just tell me what went through your mind that whole that whole date? And when the roast was over, did you realize, oh shit, my jokes were way worse than any of the other guys, or did you not know until it aired? So no, I, I knew after it was over with that it was bad. Mm. Um, so what a couple things that happened, it was this, I mean, it was like the perfect storm for chaotic TV and it was early in the day that we left to go to the comedy store. This wasn't at night. This was during the day. I have a huge fear, uh, uh, stage fright. And one of the things that I filled out on the, background form or the you know when you're filling out all the forms for the show is fears and mine is it's not like snakes or anything like that it's being on stage in front of people so i think it was like the perfect opportunity for them and with me having that and being in a comedy club that was serving alcohol i think i had probably seven red bull vodkas before six or like i i made sure to get hammered before i went up there and it was during the process And and i'm not blaming this on alcohol or anything i'm just saying it gave me like liquid courage to just write out some terrible jokes and they came over and handed me the jokes that were already pre-made and i said no no no, no. if i'm gonna get up there i'm gonna tell jokes i'm gonna write my own material and they're like are you sure and i was like yeah it doesn't feel right if i'm saying somebody else's and so I wrote out my own and they said, well, we've got to hear these before you go up there and do these jokes. And I was like, by all means, no problem. So I, I'm in the back and in the green room while we're doing an interview and I'm, you know, telling some of my jokes and they're laughing. I mean, they're dying laughing. And after I did the roast and then it, and by the way, the crowd was, laughing it was like the it was like a typical roast reaction where it's like you have the laughs and you've got like a, some of the jeers and cheers going along with it where you know ooh, oh but after it was done they take me back for another itm and that's where they laid it on and they're like i can't believe you said that stuff and i was like what and they're like she is devastated she's crying now i can't believe you did that to her and i was like Oh my God. I thought it, I thought it was a roast and they were like, she's not doing well. And so I was devastated. I just thought for myself at that moment, 
then how about I just pack up my bags, head back to Ohio and be done yeah. because I just made an ass of myself. And the, the funny thing is, is I stayed with Ashley and JP about, what was it? Three years ago, maybe four down in Miami hmm. when they were still married and uh, stayed with him for a couple of days. She didn't even remember the roast. What? I mean, it, it was not something that like was, she's had enough life events and things that have happened in her life that that was, that, that's far from anything that's ever stuck with her, which is great. Like we got along great and yeah, it, it was just one of those weird, because I thought it was maybe something that she'd hold against me and she's like, what? I could care less. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, it's great to hear. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't think even if she was, you know, as as bad as she took it that day, I can't imagine 12 years later she would have been like, no, I don't want you staying with me. Remember what you said on a television show, Rose, 12 years ago? Like, that's great, though, that she did get past it and didn't really remember it. But at the time, again, it's just, again, we know how production works on these things. They're laughing Mm -hmm. it up. They're yucking it up. These are great. These are great. And then you film an ITM after you get up there and they're like, I can't believe you said that. It's like, wait a second. You heard all my jokes before I went out there. Don't tell me that you can't believe I said that. You heard them all. Like, now, do you know, obviously speaking to the other guys, once maybe you got back to the mansion or in the car ride back, did most of the other guys take production's notes and just read jokes that production wrote for them? How many of the guys think you think did their own jokes that that day? Honestly... I wouldn't think that with how strong some of those jokes were that they had written, um, that they were anything themselves truly wrote. Hmm. I mean, it was just that it was, it sounded like something that writers were putting together prior, you know, production had already put some good stuff together. And I'm sure a couple of the guys that they were, pretty funny guys that might've been able to write some of their own stuff. But, you know, I don't, maybe one or two of the guys had wrote their own material. Yeah. I don't even remember now. I mean, yours is the one that sticks out the most. I can't remember one joke that any of the other guys that were on that date. Yeah. There was a couple jokes about Nick Peterson and protein, if I remember. And then, you know, a couple jokes. I, cause I think, I was the shortest guy on the season at five, nine, everybody else was like minimum six foot tall. So there was definitely some short jokes in there for, for myself as well. I probably wouldn't have done anyone else's season at five, nine other than Ashley's. So you also, I believe got the last rose at that rose ceremony. Cause that was the cliffhanger, whether or not she was going to yeah. give a rose to the guy who, you know, insulted her at the roast and made her cry. But you ended up getting it. The other thing that happened that episode, and it again, it's been years. I don't even know. This whole thing with Bentley that mm-hmm. that happened on your season, when I'm thinking about it and thinking about when I was watching it, it seemed like all the things that he was kind of saying and doing were in ITMs. So it was almost like, did any of you guys have a clue what this guy was saying behind closed doors, or was he saying this in group settings when you were sitting around? What do you remember about the whole Bentley thing? Well, Bentley was my bunk mate. Oh, um, 
<laughs> he he slept just below me in the bunk bed below, and I was on top. But I I feel like I talked to him for quite a bit, and not once was it ever brought up in conversation that he was like not into her in the way that it was captured on TV and those ITMs. It was never a thing. It it really made me question like production after the show was over, and I watched some of the episodes. I think I you know, watch the first first and second episode, and then I was just like, I, I'm, it's weird seeing yourself on TV. But I couldn't believe that he was saying what he was saying in those interviews. It was just like, uh, is this all set up? Yeah. Did I not realize what I was a part of? Well, you know, looking back on it now and without having watched those particular clips, I think – I mean, one of the things that he was saying that he seemed to reiterate was this whole Emily thing. I wish Emily was the Bachelorette. And then he would make a bunch of comments about his ex and how his ex was, you know, better than than Ashley or whatever. But this seemed, I mean, knowing what we know now about the show, this seemed like the ITM questions that he was answering that we were seeing the answers to were more about they probably got him in the middle of a two-hour ITM and were just picking and choosing yeah, things that made him sound like he was really talking about Ashley when he was talking about somebody else. Like, I'm assuming that's the way it was, but because he was—that's ultimately what I thought. Yeah, it, he was hated. I mean, it was bad the things that yeah. he was saying, and we're just like, well, if he's saying these things, what the hell is he doing there? What's the point of him being there? And not only was he there, then he comes back, you know, three episodes later to try and win her back when he says all this stuff about her. Just like this makes no sense. Looking back yeah. on it now, this would have been exposed in the social media world that the show is now. This would have been exposed and all of his ITMs would have been dissected to the point where, wait a second, he's not answering this about Ashley. He's answering this about somebody else in his life and they're just making it seem like it's Ashley. It just doesn't make any sense well, for him to say all that stuff and then come back three weeks later and be like, hey, yeah. I want another chance. She's, she's, she's like, what? <laughs> like After all you I did, remember you know, when I was in going back and forth on casting because the process we didn't fly out there until it was like i think late i think it was early march is when we flew out yeah um for the original or for the first limo entrance or whatever but it was from october to to march that i was going back and forth with casting it was in the final couple weeks there it was like hey who do you want it to be to be a bachelorette because they didn't they didn't announce it until we until i was there at the hotel waiting to get into the limo that's when they finally told us that it was going to be ashley but they had me open up a card to get my reaction on camera as to who the bachelorette was and prior to that there was a lot of conversation where it was geared around um could it be emily could it be who would you want it to be so and Ashley really wasn't a name that I remember having come up. And they were like, it'll it be somebody from season six prior season. Like, who would you want it to be? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Could it be this person or this? And yeah, somebody mentions Emily and you're like, who wouldn't want it to be Emily? Yeah. And then it turns into that kind of a conversation. And I think maybe he got taken for in that, that it just went in that direction. Because I could have easily gone down that path and, and been that person too uh, had it gone that way. 
not meaning to talk bad about Ashley or something, but I'm sitting there talking about somebody else. Cause there was a couple of times that I was talking about my dad, um, when it comes to some things in life and that got me pulling it, you know, at the heartstrings or whatnot. And I start crying and I'm talking about my dad, but what made it on TV is like just me crying yeah. and people are like, dude, why are you crying? Yeah. Oh, that, that, that's a classic of theirs. Get you to cry about something else. And then yeah. make, it, make it seem like it's about the lead or being, you know, let go. Um, you made it to episode five where you guys went to in Chiang Mai and you got to a, do a two on one. And it was one of the two on ones where she just said to both guys, I'm, elim- I'm eliminating you both. I'm pretty sure she eliminated Ben first, right? Yeah. And, and then you just assumed, I'm assuming that you assumed, oh, sweet, I'm good to go. <laughs> she eliminated the yeah. one guy on the two on one, because I again I don't know off the top of my head, but in seven, in six seasons before that, I do not think that they ever had a two on one date where both people went home. So that was probably a first. Um, did you think you were going to get the rose once she sent Ben Castoriano home, and then she tells you, and you were probably like, "Whoa!" You know, <laughs> I, know I really did think that I was going to get the rose. I it, it was weird because that week I had a mental breakdown. You know, you, you know enough from everyone that you've spoke to and no production that oh, even though it was only a couple of weeks, like I started to lose my mind basically where I'm secluded. You've got no conversation with the world. I did. I couldn't have my Blackberry or whatever phone I had at the time and, and do anything. And you couldn't watch TV, watch movies. You couldn't read a magazine. Like you could only talk to the guys and if you straight off conversation from the bachelorette, somebody would remind you that you need to discuss how great Ashley looked or talk about a two-on-one date or the group date or what's going on. And I was at the point where I'm like, I can't take it anymore. I want to go home. And I remember sitting down with one of the uh, producers and saying, I want to go home. And I was flipping out. And I was acting like a, a lunatic. And I ended up getting sent home, rightfully so. And I think it was partly because of that conversation that I had. They they convinced me to stay on board and not leave. But I, and the craziest thing about this was, my conversation was, I think from a real perspective of, I see that she loves somebody here, and she, those two are super compatible, and there's no reason for me to be here. And they're like, let's just play it out. Let's see what happens. And I go, it's not going to play out anyway. So then when I didn't get the rose, I said, I'm glad I didn't get a rose. I wish I wasn't leaving, but you, you're going to marry one of the guys here. I was like, you and JP are perfect for each other. And she was like, you really think so? And I was like, Oh my God, I see the way you two look at each other. It, you got to be an idiot to not spot that. Hmm. And so I got sent home just like, that's fine because, you know, her and JP hit it off and I felt weird trying to date a girl that a guy I really liked in JP, it didn't feel right. Like I had too much respect for him and saw the way that they looked at each other. I'm like, I can't be here anymore. I can't do this. So, so you saw it. So you saw it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Did, uh, were, uh, was that pretty much consensus in the house? Most guys thought I feel like it really was. Okay. Yeah. There there was thoughts of Ames because he was just such a mysterious guy. Yeah. Um, But it was really just like, 
I don't know. You could tell the way that JP, when he came back to the house, he didn't want to talk about anything. It wasn't like he was going to kiss and tell. There was no talk about how his date went. And you could just tell the look on his face. And when they would see each other at the cocktail party and hang out and talk. I mean, it was just, yeah. Well, you, you could tell. And, I mean, let's face it. I believe they're probably the second most successful couple in this franchise, just going by years married. Outside of Tristan and Ryan, I think Ashley and JP have been married the longest of any other couple, or were married the longest yeah. of any other couple, eight or nine years. I don't think anyone else is between that and Tristan and Ryan. So, yes, it did work out. Um, probably just as shocked as everybody else when we found out uh, that news, but, you know, it happens. Um, yeah. Moving on to Bachelor Pad. Now, you got to participate in season two of Bachelor Pad. <laughs> you had probably seen season one. You were aware of what you were getting into, so it wasn't like I've talked to some people, been on the podcast who were in season one, where I was like, when they were talking to you about this, how did they present this show to you? Because, you know, because nobody knew at the time. And then, um, so you get on season two, and. You know, looking at the whole game, I had to go to Wikipedia to look at everything here. You never won any challenge or even got to go on any of the dates. <laughs> I didn't realize this. Yet you last and I still, I still got to be on like four of the six episodes. Yeah, you got to be in four. That you went home in episode four, and I'm like, wow, for a guy who didn't get to go on any dates and wasn't any challenge winner. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad that you got well, to episode four. I think, How did you last? I don't even remember. Did you just get in a good alliance there or what? So there's a couple things about Bachelor Pad that I think one of the big reasons that it didn't stay, or at least in my eyes, was if you were from a brand new season, people that were going on the show already talked to each other and said, hey, we'll be down to the last four. It'll It'll be us as a couple and the first, you know, we don't know these other Joe Schmoes that are coming on from season seven and we'll vote them off first. So I think like Allie from Columbus, Ohio, um, from season, whatever Brad. season prior on the bachelor, she got let go the very first night. And it was just, if you didn't have the, that group text that you were probably a part of with it, um, you were going to be gone soon. And for me, I feel like I wasn't a threat to anybody truly because I wasn't in a, like I didn't, I, I partnered up with Gia and, but there was nothing romantically there. She was dating the guy that was in the NBA. Um, so it was like, Hey, we're going to be friends partners on this season and see where we go from here. And it, you know, to try to win the challenges. And I think everybody just appreciated my sense of humor while I was there. Cause I learned a lot from what I did on bachelorette um, that it just was like, well, we don't want to get rid of him just yet. He, you know, cracks all the jokes and we have a good time with that. But I will say the main, the only reason I did bachelor pad, I remember the conversation with one of the producers who called me up and said, Hey, we were thinking about having you come back for bachelor pad. And I just felt like I got, you know, uh, the raw, uh, a raw deal with bachelorette. And I was really worried about the roast episode and the, the doctor, 
on the show had already called me to warn me about the episode. And so I was like, when does that episode air? And they said it was like June 5th or 6th or something like that. And I said, hey, well, when does filming happen for Bachelor Pad? And they're like, you leave on the 3rd to head out to the, to the mansion or the 4th. So I was like, so I'll be gone from the public. So I was gone for two weeks with no phone, no means of anyone being able to communicate with me while that roast episode aired. So when I came back, it was thankfully died down a little bit, not a whole lot, but enough um, that I didn't get hit too hard. Um, but that was the main reason I did Bachelor Pad. I, I felt like the producers really screwed me over on Bachelorette. And now I don't think that way at all. I, I respect all the producers. It's their job. They're trying to get the best out of that for TV. So there's no hard feelings against them. But at the time, I was really upset. And I'm like, I will not do this. But there was a way for me to not be in the public's eye. Because when I was working at Sprint, selling phones, I'd have customers that just walk in, walk behind the counter, snap a photo with me, and then dart out and leave. And I thought, if that roast episode airs, I'm probably going to have someone that comes over here and then takes a shank, or I get shanked in the side while I'm at work. I don't want to be here. Well, I think, I've rambled on enough. <laughs> no, I was going to say what the other thing that helps is none of your castmates on Bachelor Pad had no had any idea what you had said on Ashley's season because they were all there with you on Pad. Yeah, it wasn't one of these shows where people were brought in later. It was just here's the cast at the beginning of the season and we just eliminate people as opposed to Paradise now where people are arriving at different times. So yeah, yeah, it, it helps for you and it helped that nobody on the show knew that you were quote unquote. I mean, I guess for a few episodes of a villain in in this show, you know, uh, because of the things that you said, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's actually pretty smart. And, um, and you have every, look, you have every right to be, I know you say, you know, like, look, no hard feelings for production, but you do have every right to be pissed at them because of what you said. I, I did not know that until you told me that you ran every joke by them. And then they tell you afterwards, man, I can't believe you said that. Like, that's that's bullshit. Like that's bullshit, you know, but that's, that one hurt. Yeah. That's the way, they, but that's the way they work. Um, so you get to episode four, uh, you get eliminated uh, with uh, Melissa Schreiber, who's also been on yeah. this podcast as well. Um, were you ever, were you ever romantically into anybody on um, on Pad? Were you were you ever interested? Did you ever date any of them post show? No, you know. I didn't think about it until after I was eliminated in, I think, a year or two down the road. But I, I really feel like if Casey wasn't there, that like Vienna and I would have hit it off. Um, but I really uh, like Gia. I mean, it, who didn't like Gia? But I was really attracted to her, and I just thought, oh, my God, we're partners. We get to team up. You know, we'll see where this goes. In my mind, I'm thinking I have a shot of like dating her, but it's, I mean, I also realize the reality is she's dating, you know, guy that plays in the NBA. And for myself, I really, um, outside of that, that was it. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. I, I can't, I can't say that. I, a lot of us were really drawn to Holly, but she was also used to be engaged to, Michael Staglano that was on uh, Bachelor as well. Yeah. And, you know, 
I love that guy. And I'm like, well, I don't, I feel weird trying to date her. I will say there was a really awkward moment where I did try to kiss her and she moved away. And that was, that was really embarrassing. Humbling during, during bachelor pad. Oh yeah. Mm. It, it wasn't on camera. Graham was sitting there. It, it, we were eating food or like we were hanging out. And then I did that and he goes, what do you think you're doing? It was so awkward. <laughs> I don't know. I must. I might have had a couple of drinks in me, and I was just like, "What? Oh, I thought maybe we had something, but no." <laughs> but Holly, Holly was attractive. Um, but outside of that, I, it was just more like friends with everybody there. And after I left, there was, I don't think anybody uh, that I really, I, I haven't dated anybody from the show. Nothing like that happened. What was the, um, at the finale, when you guys went back and taped the uh, live finale? Yeah. Or, or, or not the live, well, you taped the finale, the reunion show, whatever you want to call it. Um, were you guys, that was where you guys actually voted on the winner, right? Yeah. That's where you vote on the winners. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was it, was it uncomfortable yeah. for you? Because that season was the one where it was really weird because Holly and Michael were a team, yet... The day before you guys filmed that, Blake proposes to Holly. I don't know how much you knew or when you knew, but when you're sitting there and you're watching this all play out, you know, Michael comes out on stage and he, and Chris says, do you know what happened? And he's like, no, what happened? And you're like, Holly and Blake got engaged yesterday. And he's like, oh, okay. um, Okay, didn't know that. Uh, you know, it was just, he yeah. was, he was yeah. stunned. That had to have just been uncomfortable for everybody involved. I I know that Holly and Blake have talked about this uh, on a podcast within the last six months. And the whole thing was just a giant miscommunication. They've all kind of made up. Holly and Michael actually spoke um, on a podcast together for the first time since that night. Oh, I guess. okay. And it's all been, it's it's water under the bridge now. But in that moment where you just like, this is awkward. Yeah. It, well, and the crazy thing was, is I bonded with a couple of the guys on Bachelor Pad really close, which Graham... Graham Bunn, Kirk, yeah, um, and Michael Stagliano. And we were actually hanging out together without production knowing about it for the previous like two, three days out in LA before we filmed that. And when they found out, I mean, they were not happy because they wanted us separated. And we had called when they called us to have the cars come pick us up, we all gave the exact same address. So when they <laughs> found that out, they weren't happy. Um but yeah, it was a shock to all of us because we thought we knew everything that was kind of going on or at least enough up to that point. And then when that happened, it was all just confusion. But it, it's it's good that it's water under the bridge to to other to them now and that kind of stuff. Yeah, obviously, um, Michael's married. Uh, Holly's married. They've been for years, but I guess they had never really talked about that whole thing. And I, 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 I heard parts of it and now I don't remember the exact details, but basically the, the Blake and Holly engagement, like doing that before clearly the show wanted to do that so they could surprise Michael at the finale and just kind of almost rub yeah. it in. And Holly and ba- I think, I think Holly basically apologized for the way everything went down. And Michael's like, Hey, you know, don't worry about it. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's been years it's been 12 yeah. years they've both been married i didn't think he would hold a grudge or be upset but it was uh it was good that they actually got it out in the open and were able to talk about it for the first time since then so 
Um, so that was your time on the show. I asked earlier. I don't know if you answered, so I'll ask again. Um, do you still follow along? Do you watch the show still or no? I I don't. Reality TV has not been a big thing that I've, uh, you know, I haven't really sat down. There, there's not much of any reality TV show that, that I do watch. I think I briefly got into like 90 Day Fiance I th- I, and then I just couldn't take that anymore either. And you watch when you watch reality shows, some of the mystery is gone because you're like, oh, I know what they're doing in this part or I know that you know, a line's kind of been fed to somebody or, or whatnot. So I don't know. Just haven't been drawn into it. Do you remember and, and do you I, remember the last season you watched? What was the last one you watched in terms of like the last oh, Bachelor or the last Bachelorette you remember that you were like, okay, I've watched this season? I like. I short, think I remember like a little bit of JoJo's. Okay. But that's probably like the last one where I had seen an episode. Wow, so you're just you're out. Yeah. That's I mean that and that's yeah, fine. I'm, yeah. I I briefly was like after my season was over, I tried to watch some and be comedic on Twitter and make jokes, but you know, like everything on the internet, half people take it one way, half take it another, and it just was too much to have that kind of uh shtick going on or whatever, crack those jokes and get people to retweet or like your tweet. It was like, okay, this is Maybe in a different setting or something, but what I got enough laughs, but then it was like the same joke each season too. <laughs> well, so. so since then, since obviously you know, obviously you don't follow on the show, but you mentioned to me briefly when we were um, talking off air and messaging back and forth, you just recently moved to Los Angeles a couple months ago, right? Is that what you said? Uh, Southern California. Southern yeah, California. I'm down in. Uh, I, I'm probably about a half hour from Laguna beach. Now I just moved out here. Uh, what was it? Two months ago. What for? So I, I've got a remote job and being remote, I just wanted to live somewhere that was going to be better for me when it comes to, you know, the winter time in the Midwest is I'm 42 now I'm tired of it. Yeah. And if I could live somewhere while being remote, Arizona or California has been on my mind for the last couple of years while I've been remote. But the, uh, yeah, I, I got out here after I, I want to say it was mid April flew out here with my dog. Who's never been on a plane before. So that was a, a lot of fun having him for a six hour flight, five hour flight. But yeah, no, Southern California has been, so much better for me mentally. I mean, I, I've dealt with depression for the past, I'd say, you know, the last 10 years before I, I you know, some, not since I've done the show, but just along the way, get so down on yourself and seasonal depression is real. And I'm like, I can't take it anymore. I got, I got to live somewhere warm before I just <laughs> jump off a cliff. Well- Okay, really? I, I did not I, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. W- was it stemming is any of it stemming from the show or is it more of a um this, like you said, a seasonal depression thing because of uh logistically where you were? Oh, it, I mean it's been a multitude of things that have hmm. you know, compounded over the last couple of years and I got I started dating somebody that was big into gambling and then I thought I could help 
and it didn't turn into me helping. It turned into me uh, participating. And next thing I know, you know, I've, you know, had to file for bankruptcy. I have, you know, I, I lost everything and yeah, it, it has not been pleasant over the past couple of years. I'm getting back on my feet and taking care of myself, but I went down a bad path there for a little bit of time. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I, I, I wanted to answer that by saying it's good to hear, but not good to hear the, you know, the lows yeah. that you hit, but good to hear that you're back on your feet. What got you out of it? What, how long was the gambling thing? When did it hit? What was your rock bottom for gambling? Oh, I, I, I ended up selling everything and, and being forced to, well, yeah, being forced to move out of St. Louis, uh, cause I'd taken a promotion and moved down there, but uh, you know, hopefully you can't hear my dog who's trying to dig into the couch right now. Sorry. But, um, I was living in St. Louis. They had casinos everywhere there and very difficult to not just go there in the evening and, and wait, you know, blow all your money. But it started in Minneapolis when I lived up there and, you know, I knew it was a problem somewhat in the beginning. The biggest problem was that I hit a jackpot right away. And when you hit a jackpot, you know, off a little bit of money, it is a, a feeling of that'll happen all the time. And after chasing my losses for years, losing everything, um, I mean, it. I was able to manage it for a long time there. Then I lost my job uh, during COVID, got laid off, and then had to officially file for bankruptcy. And that's where it was like it got real. So and, it, so it was yeah. on it was online stuff. It was online gambling. It no, it was going to the casinos in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis and then in okay. uh, St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, okay, and it, and it was slots, table games, sports betting. Which one? Oh, it, it sports betting and slots. I mean, just playing poker. Yeah. Okay. So it. Yeah. I mean, we're we're talking two. $300,000 just gone. So in, it, in a span of very, what time? In a span of probably four, maybe five years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, tough. I did not. You have a couple times know. where you hit 10 grand and, you know, you got 30 grand in your hand, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And then, oh, yeah that's all gone too. So yeah, no, not, it's not pretty. No, I mean, I, and, and you said, so you, so from St. Louis is when you moved, you moved to Southern California from St. Louis. <laughs> Actually, this sounds bad. I moved from Chicago because during that time I'd, uh, I briefly moved into my, uh, my mom's house. Okay. Well, at, at four, at 41 years old, it's, it's a really, pleasant experience. Well, I, I love my mom though. So we, we had a good time on there. Well, I mean, you have, I mean, at that point, just based on what you just told me, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, it, yeah, it's yeah. probably embarrassing and it's probably not something you wanted to do, but it's something that you, you needed to do. And now that you are in Southern California as 
I know you said you've struggled with it on and off for 10 years. How has it been since you've gotten to Southern California? Has it gotten better? Do you feel a little more refreshed? Do you feel like you're coming out of your hole a bit? Yeah. I mean, it it even shows where, you know, if you look at the Apple Fitness and my steps are through the roof compared to prior when I could sit and, you know, didn't walk around anywhere. I didn't do anything. I was lethargic. I stayed at home. I didn't get out and do anything. Not that I get out a whole lot now. I'm still, I'm a homebody, but it's because I'd rather hang out with my dog the entire time. But I, I definitely feel so much better with getting some sun. I mean, before it just be, it's rainy or it's snowing, it's crappy out. I think I'm, you know, I'm going to go take a grand and go blow to the casino and can't, can't do that out here, which is a good feeling. Yeah. Do you feel, I mean, I obviously said, no, California doesn't have legalized gambling. You can't, there are obviously casinos. If you drove a couple hours, you could find one, Um, you know, having lived in Southern California, I know where they are um, because I used to go myself, but do you feel like you are past that? Are you, did you go to uh, gamblers anonymous? How did you, how do you feel like you've kicked this? I, I went to GA uh, when I was in Minneapolis. I went to meetings up there, met some great folks. And then when I moved down to St. Louis, I didn't have the support there anymore, but I thought I could, you know, handle it. And for a good six months, a year, when I was in St. Louis, I didn't touch it. And then kind of, you know, had some personal stuff happen. It was just like, where's the first place I want to go? I'm just, I just want to sit down, mindlessly play some games, try to win some money. And it started right back up. And that's where, you know, the problem was there just falling off the wagon or whatever you call it. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so you lost it all there and then you, that's when you had to move home to Chicago and then you got out to Southern California. Yeah. And do you feel, do you you still attend meetings to just keep yourself on the up and up or do you feel like I haven't, I, I, for myself, since I'm a homebody now and I work remotely, I sold off my car. Like I don't, I don't even have the means if I wanted to, to just hop in the car and go drive to Vegas or something. Um, I don't have that feeling or need the want if I went and I've taken measures where I can't take out the funds. Like I used to be able to, um, especially when you, when you have no line of credit, uh, it's, it's difficult to do something like that, but I've got things set up so I can't just, you know, take a grand out and then go to, go to a casino or go to Vegas or something for myself. It's, you know, I'm 42 now. It's either I make the change and do this or, you know, I'm living on the streets and I'm that guy that's, you know, sharing my food with my dog, uh, trying to beg for some cash because of my own mistakes. Yeah. And obviously we don't, we don't want that. I mean, I mean, I, I, William, I had no idea. I, I, and I can't thank you enough for sharing that. I mean, that's, it's not easy to share. Um, but I think it's important, uh, you know, to talk about it. Like this is, Hey, this is my life. This was my life. This was who I, uh, you know, was post show. And, uh, I really, uh, you know, appreciate you sharing that. And I, you know, would love, you know, to offer any help I can on, on my end, if anything ever comes up or whatever, I hope you have, you know, someone to go to somewhere to go to, um, during those times. I know that, um, you know, 
you don't have to worry about the seasonal weather anymore. Although, yeah, <laughs> there's still seasons out here. Yeah. yeah. If I'm not mistaken, though, this has been one of the wettest years in Southern oh. California, like ever. I, I do know that. All my friends live in Southern California. So, um, and they live It's in been a- cold for the past couple months. Yeah. In, until recently. I, I'm starting to get out to the pool and get some sun. But no, I, I appreciate the, you know, the ability to, to have you as somebody that I can talk to and go to. It's like, I mean, anyone that deals with addiction, it is a difficult thing to get through. And I'm glad that I've had the support of family because I, I've also realized that the best thing you can do is be open. I know some people do close themselves off or they're, you know, it's not like I'm not embarrassed by it. I don't want people to necessarily know my business, but it's also, I have a standpoint of if I am able to speak to the, to these kind of issues that maybe I can help somebody and they're able to listen or reach out and understand that they're not alone in it. Cause that's one of the, you know, just some of those difficult things. You never know who you can talk to about it uh, and how you'll be treated. So I'm, I'm fine with the way that people want to treat me, but I know others may, you know, it may take them down a different path. Yeah. I, I definitely think that, and I, and I hope that someone listening to this today, you know, reaches out to you on Instagram and said, Hey, I heard the interview and you know, whatever the case may be, here's my story and whatnot. But you know, you are, I'm going to put your, um, your Instagram handle. I am going to put that, you know, in as part of the episode description today, it's William F Holman on Instagram. Anybody, listening that wants to reach out, you know, I'm a, I'm a gambler myself. I've been gambling since college, like, and I'm, I'm 48. So (laughs) I've had my ups, I've had my downs. Um, you know, I have, I've, you know, been able to control it and, you know, not hit the point where you've had, but I certainly, you, you do. I mean, look, we are both people that have been through the gambling world and I mean, you know it and I know it, there isn't a better rush out there when you hit something big, when you're not betting big and yeah, it's, 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 that's what people ask. Like, how can you be addicted to gambling or what's the, what's the appeal? And for non gamblers, they'll probably never understand. Uh, but it, it's one of the best rushes you can get. And then there's that point of, does the rush become too much and chasing that rush? The problem is you may never get back to that one big hand and that one big win or that one big spin, or that one big pot, or that one big roll in craps. Like, craps is my game. That's yeah. the one I play. So it's the only game I play when I go to Vegas now. I used to play blackjack. I just got bored with it. Once I learned craps, I was like, this is my game. And, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had great, great weekends in Vegas at craps, and I've had weekends where I've gotten absolutely, you know, destroyed. And it's just – and you just keep going back because you're hoping – you're not going to Vegas hoping to lose. You're you're always chasing yeah. that rush. You're always chasing that win. And you know, um, I, I you know, I'm glad that you know while you did, I think a lot of it also had to do with the fact that you said you lost your job right around COVID. That didn't help. But you know, the fact that you're back on your feet now and you moved um, again, I, I I I appreciate you opening up about this and sharing it because not a lot of people would. Yeah. No, it's again, hopefully somebody listening, uh, has 
I mean, hopefully nobody's going through this issue, but if they are or ha- know someone that is, that they're able to reach out um, and discuss it with me and keep it in private or whatnot. So their stuff isn't out in the open or they, <clears throat> you know, know it, uh, that they can go to GA or AA or whatever it might be. Cause my dad suffered with addiction. He was an alcoholic and he, I talked about it on the show, but he ended up having cirrhosis of the liver because he was an alcoholic and just couldn't, couldn't put the bottle down. Yeah. And for a long time, I didn't understand him going through that. And then I, I've got my issues with the gambling over the years and I'm like, Oh, I, I get it now. Yeah. No, that's, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly not easy, but, uh, again, I, I really appreciate going and going over, going down memory lane with you talking about Ashley's season. I, I'm trying to think back now, uh, of, of the guys on Ashley's season. I've had Ryan, I'm trying to think of who I've had on the podcast. I've had Ben on Flanick. I've had Ryan Park. I've had you, obviously, and I think that's it. Yeah, that's, you're the only three that I've ever had on from Ashley season. And oh, and Nick, uh, Nick was one of my first podcast guests. So this was years ago. Ryan came on about. Mm, Ryan might have come on during COVID. Maybe it was before. So and Flanick came on like in 2018. So it's been a while since I've been able to talk about Ashley's season. It's been great. Uh, like I said, going down memory lane, and 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 thank you so much for for sharing your story, uh, William, let's, let's definitely stay in touch. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, and, uh, we will certainly, uh, we'll certainly keep in touch. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me on and hopefully I didn't ramble too much because that's one of my big problems. Oh no, no, you didn't. <laughs> I'll stop the gambling. <laughs> no, it's, it's better when guests talk. The, I, I'd, I'd rather have a guest talk than me ask a question and then give short, you know, one, two sentence answers and I'm pulling teeth to get a flow yeah. to get a flow of an interview <laughs> and it's you were you were perfectly fine i really enjoyed talking to you man and i hope uh, i hope things get better in southern california the weather uh everything turns around for you and uh yeah we'll keep in touch man thanks a lot man i appreciate you having me on you got it thank you so much uh to william for coming on i had only reached out to him a couple days ago because i was just talking to somebody about an older season and I just and I remembered the Bellagio date with Ashley where he had the first one on one of the season. And I and I kind of remember that being one of my first picture spoilers that I ever got while filming was going on. And I was just like, I want to re- reach out to this guy. Hit him up on Instagram. He messaged me right back. Yeah, I'd love to come on. Didn't really talk to him much. Maybe sent three messages back and forth on Instagram. I said, give me your number. I'll call you Wednesday night. I had no idea uh, about that. And about how low he got uh, in his gambling world and his, his bouts with depression. Um, again, I can't thank him enough for sharing that story. So um, looks like he's in a better place now, and I hope it continues uh, to get better for him. So thank you all for listening. Please follow in Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate it. Rate and review if you can. Your daily roundup has been posted in the Reality C podcast, and the other feed is the Sports Daily. If you're interested in listening to that, so for William Holman. I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to William again for sharing his story. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!